Welcome to Not Your Enemy Speakout Sessions with hosts Shannon Reynolds of Visionary Creative Concepts and Branding and Jared L. White, the man behind the creative brand Tim K. Unlimited. Together, they are the co-creators of the Not Your Enemy Collections. The Not Your Enemy Speakout Sessions are a forum to continue conversations amongst Black artists, creatives, and cultivators. We are excited for you to join our conversation. This is Not Your Enemy Speakout Sessions. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Enemy Speakout Sessions. I'm your girl, Shannon, with the amazing Jared L. White. How what are you up, doing? y'all? <laughs> Happy Saturday. <laughs> How you doing? You know, I'm feeling good. Feeling great. Another have another good show. I'm ready. I'm excited. So, so happy to see you, even though I talk to you every freaking day. <laughs> literally, every day. But every day, all day. <laughs> so today is something special. I'm really excited for today because we decided to do um, a health edition of Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions. And I couldn't think of anybody better to start it off, kick it off, than my um, amazing cousin. I've known her her whole life. Um, she is, she has a bachelor's in nursing and is in the process of getting her master's as well. So welcome, Taylor. How are you? Good. Welcome, Taylor. How you doing? Jared, hey, Shannon. How are you guys? Good. Okay. We're going to need you to talk louder. Oh, you can't okay. hear me. Sorry. Let me turn it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, everything's good. Happy to be here. So we're excited. So let's just jump right into it. Um, how has this current social climate impacted you? Uh, well, let's go from a personal, um, kind of standpoint first. It is stressful. Okay. Um, I think my anxiety has been a lot higher just in terms of if anyone else has mild, severe, whatever anxiety, you know, that you like to know what's happening. Um, and a lot of things are just out of my control. So I think that has whew, been very, played a very significant part of um, how I'm reacting to things, mm. uh, just not being able to control, whether that's from uh, the racial tensions that we're having, the political tensions. Um, and then you bring about the professional stuff. I mean, as a nurse working in this, um, you know, pandemic, I primarily, my background is with children. Um, so at one point they were furloughing people, which is crazy. Like it's a pandemic. You would think we, we need nurses. Um, but you find that that's not the case, a profession where you would think you have job security and that's not, you know, ideal. Um, so from a professional background, there's been, you know, just some uneasiness. Um, you go into nursing, not thinking you're going to necessarily deal with a, with a pandemic. Um, so how do I prepare? How do I calm my nerves? And then, Anybody who's anybody who knows your nurse gonna ask you, so what should I do? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I don't have the answers either. Like, mm-hmm. so I think that has been um, kind of kind of interesting. People wanting your opinion. Should I go to this party? Should I not? Should I wear a mask? Should I not? Like, I don't have the answers for you. I can only tell you um, from my personal, you know, opinion and the research that's that's out there. So, girls, been crazy. it's been crazy. <laughs> That sounds crazy and super overwhelming. And first of all, thank you so much for even putting yourself um, in that. You know, my, my mom, she works in the uh, medical and medical field as well. She's a, a dietitian aide, like she serves foods to the patients. She works in food service, I should say. And she has been, she's been working there for 30 years. 
So, and I've heard all these stories that she worked through the AIDS epidemic. She's worked now she's working through this. And my mom is 60 years old or 61. So, you know, I hear those stories and I, I really feel for you. And, and I thank you so much for just being out there too, because I, I see what my mom has gone through. So I can only imagine what you can, what you're being gone through. So thank you so much. How, how do you deal with that overwhelming feeling? feeling? Like who's there for you? Um, you're, you're having those moments. Um, I think, I mean, what do I do to deal with my stress? And it's crazy because I'm still what I call a baby nurse. I've only been a nurse for three and a half years. Mm -hmm. uh, had a lot of kind of professional experiences. Like I travel nursed. Um, I've done ICU nursing. I've done med surge nursing. Um, and right now I'm doing um, outpatient nursing, like primary care, um, health and that kind of thing. So um, it's crazy because in my very first nursing um professional whatever interview the lady was like so you know nursing is stressful we just want to know like how do you deal with your stress and I'm just like what kind of interview question is this like but like mind your business um but you know like it, it's so true like it is very very stressful and um I really had to dig deep okay like what are my coping skills so for me it's been working out um reading um watching girlfriends right now a little mm -hmm. Netflix binge um, and really just making sure I'm taking care of myself and the things that I think that I was doing for self-care, like getting my nails done or getting a pedicure or getting my hair done. Like that wasn't self-care. That's just maintenance. Um, and until I looked at it from that perspective, like what am I doing to feed myself, my soul? Like what am I doing to regroup? Um, like I was just bottling it up. Like I was walking around like real like pressed, written very heavy. until I started to, you know, make those, make those adjustments. So. That's great. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. That's just so real. Right. Um, because I can say I can say the same thing about it's like the maintenance part. It's like, oh, I get my nails done. That's my that's my self-care. But it's like really I'm just maintaining. What am I doing to feed my soul? So I actually like really appreciate you saying that because that's a reminder to me to go above and beyond to figure out what I need to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but just thinking about everything you said, and obviously I've known you for your whole life, but what made you become a nurse? Why did you want to become a nurse? Um, so I knew from early on, I actually wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> um, and I feel like most people like, oh, the nursing, well, like, oh, you want to be a doctor? Why weren't you a doctor? Uh, cause I was a single parent household and we couldn't afford it. Like, let's just be, you know, let's be real. But from an early age, I always knew I wanted to go into healthcare. Like I liked taking care of people. Um, I, I, like, I remember my grandfather, like I used to like help him count his pills. Like my grandmother, um, was sick I remember like putting in her eye drops for her and I was like this is this is kind of cool like I can get jiggy with this like I get paid to do it like all right like oh, yeah. here I am <laughs> see I didn't think about that because my grandparents had me doing all that shit right? too and now I <laughs> but they that's how I used to get my twenty dollars at the end of the week like that's how I got <laughs> Yeah, raise the bar, raise the bar. Right. Now, if um, I help you go to this grocery store, I want on, I want an extra ten, Grandma. <laughs> like, we was free labor. We were free labor. No, nah, I wasn't um, playing that. <laughs> um, no, seriously, like I just liked taking. Care of so I always used to say I wanted to be a pediatrician. I wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, but then I remember my junior year of you know high school when it's like, okay, you need to like start to narrow down. What do you want to do? What are you applying? to college for and like med school y'all I'm talking it's four years for med school you do uh well, excuse me four years of undergrad four years of med school you have to do a residency and then if you want to specialize like I did that's an extra three years that's 14 years of higher education I was like I just 
it's just not it's just not likely like I struggled doing the four years of undergrad um Tell me about nursing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I went to nursing because I felt like, you know, I shadowed a few nurses just at my junior year. I'm like, okay, like, I know I want to get into healthcare. I know I want to do something in that realm. Like, and not even like it's a step down from being a doctor. It was just more so like I ended up connecting more with that, with that role. I liked the face-to-face care. I didn't like the idea of bopping around to 20 different rooms and juggling all that patient information. So um, I chose nursing because I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to be that face that you see. Um, I really just feel like I was I was making a difference and I mean it kind of worked out either way because I started my nursing career with kids so like I got the pediatrician role of it where it was just more beneficial it was more um heartwarming to me like I I love what I do I love the kids um I don't regret becoming a nurse um any day honestly I think it was I regret the loans but it was um you know the best thing I've ever done (laughs) We all, we all, we all have the loan story. We all have the loan story. I'm still going through the loan story, <laughs> and I'm sure your loans are much bigger, than, much uh, more than mine. So, like that's added on to them with grad school. So, is, do you do you get help for like those loans because you're working in the the health field? Like, is there um, resources for that? So, I mean, a lot of jobs. Like, I kind of knew something about like tuition reimbursement like I looked for that when I was applying for professional you know jobs but you get like loan forgiveness um through like the government programs or whatever but I feel like they're not you can't bank on them especially with our political climate everything kind of up in the air um it sounds good I pay my loans for 10 years you're gonna take care of the rest cool Mm -hmm. but the reality is that is not always the case um it's a long application process etc um they have these other programs like uh um it HERSA, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. So pretty much you work in um like nonprofit areas, um, and they'll pay for your loans, which also is cool, but it's very competitive. Everybody has loans these days. So it's not even necessarily a first come, first serve, it's a who needs it, who needs it the most. Um, and I'd be looking at my loans like me, pick me, but I mean, there are other people who have substantial, I mean, I think, and really what somebody told me is they do it based off of people who have their masters first. So mm. hopefully when God puts me in that number, they'll think of me and pay for my loans. <laughs> right. But that's just so crazy that you are on the front lines and they're putting you through hoops, but then they can pull out $2 trillion out of nowhere and divvy it around. And Ooh. that there there's money there that they can just give to this medical field that is literally out here on the front line saving. Us, I think that's so bugged to me, and that that was one of the the issues that I had about the whole you know COVID situation when that um, stimulus check hit. Like, wow, there has been money out here this whole time that could be paying back our loans and help and, and giving the money back to us. I did, I never even thought about the amount of money is taken out by people who work in the medical field. Right. I just always assumed that you guys would take that money out and you guys would get some type of because you've been working in this field such a long period of time, the fact that you have to go through that many hoops, mm-hmm. it's crazy. The crazy thing is, I think people think nurses make a lot more money than we actually do. I remember talking to Shannon um, when I was applying for this new job that I'm in right now in the outpatient health field. And I was like, yeah, they only start us off at like, let's say mid, mid 20s just for hot hot. And we're just not, that's not true, but I'm just saying just for hot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't that low. <laughs> Like just for ha-has. and they're just like, oh, like you're not making forty plus dollars an hour, and I'm like, forty dollars where? Like, 
right? Like if we really, we really don't make the money I feel like we deserve. And I don't know if that's because we don't have unions, like you, nursing unions used to be a thing for whatever reason, they got rid of them. Um, so a lot of the places that I've worked are not union. So we don't have, you know, that kind of support to fall back on, but we truly don't get the money that I feel like the work that I'm, that I'm putting in. Like I'm working 12 and a half hour shifts. Sometimes I don't pee, sometimes I don't eat. Um, I'm dealing with cranky parents, cranky children. Um, and like, I just don't think people realize like how much we give. Like not only am I thinking about my next move in terms of keeping you safe, keeping you alive, um, what can I do to improve? And, and I'm speaking for myself, cause maybe not all nurses like um, operate this way and it could be like where you're at, like in, in regards to a setting, but I worked in the ICU. So it's just like, okay, cool. If your heart rate is this, I need to be thinking about my next move and to do this. If your oxygen saturation is this, I need to be thinking about this and what I'm going to do to, to improve that or, or whatever the case is or manipulate your ventilator. And then it's just like, okay, what am I bringing to the team? Because I'm your first advocate. If you can't talk to me, if this parent has never been in the hospital setting before, like not only do I have to relate, but now I have to be your educator. I have to be your advocate. I'm your support sister. I'm the shoulder you're crying on. Um, and it's just like, okay, this kid hasn't gotten out of bed today. Like, what am I going to do to make sure they're safe? But like, they're still moving and they're not, you know, like their muscles aren't getting weak and that way they can be a normal kid when they're out of here. Like it's, it's a lot. I and mean, then you've got coworkers who you're helping out with the own stuff and you got the social issues and it's a lot. So when I go home and I'm like, wow, I'm exhausted. I don't have any energy for my, my family. Damn, you have to give me an anxiety attack. <laughs> right I, it's it's a lot and I don't think people like we definitely don't get paid and then you add COVID to it nobody mm. knows what they're doing in my humble humble opinion um as someone who's on the forefront we don't know if we should be wearing respirators or surgical masks we don't know Wait, now, what, what, what do you mean you don't know what you what, I'm, so there's no real instruction there or are you or you're you just not feeling like those mandates are it changes every every two right. seconds. And this isn't mm. to block the healthcare field. It's really just nobody knows. Nobody mm. knows. At first, people thought this was transmitted on your clothing. Because like, oh my God, don't have to be all everything. Come right. to my house, that's not the case. So it's just like everything, it just it just changes. Like, do I feel safe as a nurse going into work? I mean, yes. I mean, I wash my hands. I wear my mask. I'm doing what they're telling me. But it's just like, I feel like there could be, there could be more. Like, mm -hmm. what if there's something we're missing? Like, the CDC says they don't recommend giving a flu shot if you have COVID symptoms or are being tested for COVID, regardless of the case. People are at places getting COVID tested and getting flu shots at the same time. And it's just like the information just changes. I think sometimes it contradicts it, um, contradicts itself. Um, I think the CDC doesn't necessarily know what to tell people. and We're just, we're winging it as best as, as we can. But then you've got the people on the front lines who are like winging it. Like, right, right. Uh, hello, like I'm in this person's face. I'm trying to feed them and then they come back COVID positive. And mm. I don't feel like there's a, a good way to tell these healthcare workers that right. that they were exposed. Like I had mm. a baby, I was in the NICU. And for those who don't know what that is, that's the neonatal ICU. And the mom um, winded up getting a fever after delivery. Like she wasn't able to come down yet because of X, Y, Z. Um, they thought, you know, moms get fever sometimes after delivery. Like you never know. It could be like she had an infection brewing, whatever. She tests positive for COVID, but had already been down in our unit, fraternizing, holding her babies. And I'm, you know, breastfeeding her babies. And I'm all in her face, all in her baby's face that she's been around. And nobody said anything. So it's just right. like, most standardized anything in my humble opinion about how we're handling COVID, how we expect healthcare people to handle COVID, 
um, and how we're keeping everybody safe. Like, yeah, wear a mask, cool, but it's just like now there's this information that you need to wear goggles and an eye shield because it can get in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Where was the data for that? Where was that coverage on the news? Like, right. we'll be wearing these in grocery stores. Like, what are we doing? And this is me and Shannon just was talking about this before you hopped on about how Trump is was so fucked up. That was the one thing that he, if he could have just figured out that he had scientists and he has access to all this stuff and this stuff should have been figured out by now and that's that's what's so fucking crazy because we're i didn't even think about things like like examples like that like that's just absurd i mean i know for me obviously you i've talked to you offline and i've talked to you know josh my fiance who's also in the medical field and were you I feel like there was just a lack of resources in the beginning. So a lot of the times you guys didn't have the the gear that you needed or the PPE that you needed. So you guys were going in kind of blind or exposing yourself to things um, before there was even a solution or even like a a makeshift solution for you guys to actually do your jobs. And so did that kind of uh, impact your level of trust? Because I feel like that was a thing of like, you're not protecting me as an employee, but you want me to come to work every day. And Sure, for sure. I think even like when we ran, like how do you run out of respirators? Like right. you have me wearing one that does, like if for those who don't know, respirators, you shouldn't just be buying them off the street or online. That's something you are literally fit for. They're fit for your face. And there's a, a variety of sizes. Um, and a, literally there's a test that you do. Um, they like spray some stuff in this hood. And they're like, if you can taste this, this mask doesn't fit. They have to do all these crazy movements. You bend over, you move your head side to side. Um, it's not just like a light thing because God forbid it is a disease that is transmitted through the air. You know, they want us to be protected. But to think like they had us wearing stuff like sizes that weren't the right size, these generic brands, like, how is this, you know, protecting me? You want me to work. You want me to, to show up. But it's just like, so I think like there was a little bit of um, miss or, or distrust in, the, in, you know, in our employers and the healthcare system. Right. Um, and then like, there's just no compensation. Like why is Home Depot giving their people extra $50 a check or whatever? And we have gotten mm-hmm. nothing. We've maybe gotten, and not to speak for all nurses and wherever they're at, we've I've got nothing. Maybe a coffee from the manager. Like they bought a coffee cart. Gee, thanks, bro. But I don't really want to take off my mask to to do this. So um, I just don't think there's been any compensation. I think the healthcare heroes stuff, that's cute. That's nice. Like, thanks for all the signs in your yards. But it's just like, I think there. it just speaks to the bigger issues. We're not paid enough. I don't think nurses are respected. I don't think we, we are valued. Um, like we've, I've literally had a parent like cuss me out because they can't have their cousin, their, their third cousin, the grandma, whatever, come visit their kid in the hospital. I'm like, ma'am, it's a, it's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. I don't think you want to but it's just like, right. what, what can I, there's only so much I can do. Like, not only am I trying to keep myself safe, I'm trying to keep you safe and the next day. So I think it's just, yeah, they're going to have to, I don't know I, what we're going to, what the, what the answer is, because I feel like you've got places that are union and places that aren't, you have people who take care of kids, people who take care of adults. Like, luckily, like I said, I, work with kids so like we were we had furloughs because kids weren't being affected by covid in the in the numbers that we thought they were um they winded up this weird rash winded up coming about that was like a byproduct of covid that we were dealing i remember that but it wasn't covid like we were like ready when i tell you we got all them kids out the hospital that we could like empty bed like our picu our like they were empty like we were in preparation of this influx and then when harford got hit we even talked about getting um some of their young, taking some of their younger adults just to care for them and put them on our vents and stuff. Um, but it never came to that. So I think like 
it's like the answer is is different in every kind of setting of nursing right. in terms of compensation and appreciation. Um, we have COVID kids now, not, you know, in the numbers that it, we were seeing when it first happened, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a, have an answer. Yeah. Okay. Taylor, I think that they, depending on your percentage of COVID and I'm only going based off of what Josh told me you do, there were places that gave bonuses, but I'm talking about like $50. Yeah. yeah. not an hour but like just 50 you know something like simple like that and I will say I didn't understand the underappreciation for nurses until I gave birth to KJ because um I remember because I was like oh my cousin's a nurse and I had like gratefully I had an amazing nurse let me tell you the nurse did all the work like the doctor came in when KJ was crowning like there was like they just pulled baby out she had done all the work. She had done all the pre-work. She was checking. Uh, she was amazing. Amazing. Um, and so that was a level of respect. I'm like, all the stuff that she did, she was there at labor. And I don't want to get too graphic, but she did all the work pretty much. Um, and so at that point, I realized like the, the doctor comes in and does like, you know, I just felt like the, the person that's the bedside manner, the person that's always there is the nurse. But I've also seen like really horrible nurses, but I feel like the level of care and the level of work that they put in is like, I don't want to say equivalent to a doctor, but equivalent to a doctor. You know what I mean? Like the doctor gets all the glory and all that stuff, but the nurse is really doing a lot of the brunt work. And so that made me appreciate that job even more because she literally was amazing. What's crazy? Didn't have any issues. uh, In grad school, actually just did a paper the other day. Like there is no way um in most facilities and i've looked in connecticut there's no way for us to bill for our services what we're doing as nurses and i think that's what makes it difficult not necessarily for the person to have respect but for people to like realize like what it is we're doing um like the vitals whether it's assessing you for your your contraction shannon like i'm doing all that and then i'm going to the doctor who comes in when it's time right Um, so it's hard but like the doctors make the big bucks because I just don't know if it's as a profession we haven't figured out how do we bill for everything little thing that we're doing you know what I mean and then would that change our pay right yeah you just pay people more I think that this goes back to the same wise old tale of people who do the most work get paid less and people like to act as if they don't know that people are doing this much fucking work if you know every every I'm sure every task that you have every baby you there's one standardized way of delivering this baby and then you have to add on to that because there's all these varying uh case by case basis so i think that people know this just goes back to how life has been where we do so much fucking work and get paid less for it and then we have to keep continuing to vouch for our actions and vouch for ourselves no people see the work that we're doing and i i just i it's frustrating you know that we have to now question you have to question your work and what you've been doing. You're freaking birthing babies. You know, people are, are doing, putting in so much that it's fucking sad that we still have to um, vouch for ourselves to even to question why I should be getting paid this. Y'all should be getting all the money in the fucking world. I wish. I truly think nurses, like, new grad, like, I was a new grad, and I think I started at twenty nine fifty, which is a lot of money to someone who, you know, fresh out of college. I'm no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. And it's like, not. I say that now as I'm paying yeah. student loans, I'm like, I need about $50 an hour to start. Like, geez. Right. Yeah. And then you add like the cost of living in Connecticut. I'm just like, 
I literally can't afford a child. Preach, Taylor. Preach. I can't afford a child. Like, I could barely afford. We just bought a house. I'm like, God is great because I don't know how we did it. Like, student loans. Like, and like, when you're paying a thousand dollars in student loans a month, like, it doesn't leave much wiggle room to live. So, Taylor, you are preaching. Who who, who do we write a complaint to? Like, but (laughs) do you know the crazy thing? And I'll say this across any industry. And I told you, this is like anybody under me and my family. This is a conversation I have, and you know, I've had it with you. Like. There's always more money on the table, majority of times. And when you come out of college, because I was saying, I came out of college with a degree, like, I was making $15 an hour, houseway in Connecticut. Yeah. And so my whole thing was like, oh, great, I have benefits. Great, great, great. Not even understanding how underpaid I was. Mm-hmm. How underpaid I was. I had someone that didn't have a college degree that was making um, $7 more than me mm-hmm. an hour. People, so people don't talk about how much they're making. Like it's so tough. It's like it's supposed like, to be a secret. It's not a thing. Like if you yeah. talk about it, oh, it's hush. No, yeah. no. Because I started, I was probably my fault in my old job. I was like, so how much are you making? And mm-hmm. that was one of the big reasons that I left. I'm like, I got all these certifications. I have more experience than you do. I work in both ICUs. Like I'm a critical care flow pool nurse. And I'm making this and you're making mm-hmm. You, I was like, goodbye. I'm dead. No, no. I'm, I, I deserve way more way, Kudos. way Kudos. More. I was like I'm not doing this I feel like we need to get to the point where we're doing that more because I feel like there's always more money on the table one you should always ask for more if they say no then that's their best offer but I feel like we as black people just take the first offer because it's like it gives us the package we think of the package when it's really like I'm starting to think about my worth and I know all that I bring to the table and I want more and I I tell everybody in my family this now, always ask for more. There's always more. If they say no, then you then that's what it is. But at least you ask and you have the option to ask. We can talk about money all day. But I speaking of money, I do want to get this question out because I've seen it firsthand. The different levels of care based on your insurance and or money. Right? How does that impact you? Because I feel like for me, just witnessing it, I, it made me feel so like everyone should get the same level of care. Wait, do you have an example of this? Because I, I didn't even think about it. Yes, I have a prime example. I have been in many deliveries. I know the experience I have. I know the experience of the nurse I had, the doctors I had, and my insurance. I have been in other deliveries, and that level of care was not given to the point where no one checked until the baby was crowning. So Taylor knows, but I just, and it's like, but but I've also seen other levels where it's like you go to get it and the checkups are different the levels of what they do and obviously it depends on the doctor but i also think it has to do with your insurance oh sorry taylor hands down it's yeah. it's a, it's a true thing and it might not be like oh it's so obvious like i did that because this person gets medicare or this one's on husky a or whatever the case is but um that was also one of the reasons that I actually left my, my old job. And I don't know if like, I truly, I would like to think people aren't like that. And it's not coming from coming from that place, but it's just like, I had a patient, um, very, very dear to my heart. Um, who little girl, seven years old had a friggin' heart attack because she had a pacemaker, um, and it misfired, gave her a heart attack. She's in the hospital, you know, going home. She's okay, thankfully, totally normal, just, you know, whatever. God was looking out. Um, they didn't take out this um, 
the pacemaker. Um, they ran tests, said it was fine. Cool. She's on going about to go home. For whatever reason, it misfires again. Her mom happens to be out of the room. And, um, you know, she coded and was down for upwards of 20 minutes. And, you know, wasn't looking good neurologically. Um, came down to my PICU. I'm taking care of her. And <clears throat> for the longest time, they wouldn't do um, a particular scan that she needed to see, like, where her brain function was at. Um, and I think they blamed it for a while, but, you know, she was down there for about three weeks, maybe like the first week and a half on this pacemaker that she had that they never replaced. And I felt like they should have replaced to begin with once it misfired the first time, not the second time, the first time. Um, and they couldn't do this test. They couldn't do this test. And mom was getting so like, you know, like disheartened, like, why can't they just do this test, replace the pacemaker, do this test? And it was to the point where she wasn't participating in rounds, which is what you do, you know, you meet with all the doctors. Um, she didn't want to talk to any doctors anymore. She's just like, like, I want to know my baby's still in there. Like, I see it. Like, but can y'all do this test, essentially? Um, and it wasn't until, so long story short, they never do the damn test. They wind up replacing our pacemaker after she was sitting in the PICU for, for three weeks, just doing nothing, literally just laying there um and you know me just out of curiosity I'm like I wonder what insurance she got like you know lo and behold it's you know state insurance and I'm like I can't help but think or see because there was a similar case down the hall where they you know took whatever out immediately got that test and I'm like I understand that this stuff is expensive and reimbursement issues or whatever but it's just like she didn't have to lay there for three weeks she didn't have to literally you know not deteriorate even further but like get so weak that she's been in a bed and we had a breathing tube in her in her mouth for 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 weeks and it's just like we could have done the test and replaced the pacemaker and you know like done all these interventions it's just like but there's only so much I can do as as that advocate so it's just like I don't know if it's an reimbursement issue in regards to the hesitation on why we don't do certain certain things I don't know if it's just doctors thinking a miracle is gonna happen or we can do xyz first before we do this this test but i would say like even like if you look at outpatient doctors they're like oh we have our our quota for husky or sorry we have our quota for medicaid so we can't take you um versus having insurance where you know you get your money back and whatever i'm just it's not fair and i've seen it firsthand yeah like i i don't even the insurance talk is so deep but to me it just to see it, and if we go into the racial disparities of it all, it just is really sad to see because everybody, if I'm coming to get help, should be helped. Right, I agree. And I don't think that's always the case. I think people assume if you are Black or some sort of any other minority that you have um, the state insurance, um, that you can't afford X, Y, Z, and it's just... I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think that, or even in like the NICU, I've had a case where, um, and I don't know if it's just like an education thing, if people just don't know what to advocate for, um, if the nurses aren't working, I mean, like I said, I think every nurse is different, but like, I'm looking at all the whatevers before we do something, you know, something crazy, so like this one lady allowed her baby to get um, a trach and um, all this other stuff, like he has like a feeding tube, and this white family, literally, similar thing delivered early at the same time same kind of prognosis same kind of um path or course that they were both on and she refused he and I, she's like oh we're gonna try this we're gonna try that and of course she had insurance and so they have medicaid and they're just like oh we'll give him a trach some to xyz and we'll we'll move on and homeboy like went home just on oxygen and whatever and i'm just like i don't know if it's like 
like I said, an education issue if people just aren't fighting along with them because of their insurance and whatever, or if it's because this white lady, same age, whatever, just happened to have insurance and happened to, you know, know to Google things or know to ask or whatever the case is. So I also think it's a it's an asking thing of you're trusting your doctor. Right. You're trusting the medical professionals that you have there. And not to say not all medical professionals don't have your best interest, but it's okay to ask why. Sometimes we don't ask why or what does that mean? Or is there other options? Like we don't know, you know, I call you sometimes like, girl, they said this, what, like, should I? Huh. Um, and you just got to vouch for yourself. Like you have to do that, that research and that education on your own because you can, you, I find sometimes we put ourselves in situations, especially as black people, where we still ask and still get the runaround. And then you have to really, arm yourself with as much education project which is fucked up that we have to do this extra step in something else too where it's literally our lives on the line but then it's like you're aggressive you're that difficult to whatever parent or or black person and i just think like in healthcare like there are those like untalked about biases like oh why does this person want more payments or whatever the case i just gave it to them like number one they teach you in nursing school pain is subjective like it doesn't matter what you think it is it's what that person thinks it is even though and I feel like sometimes we just like we're so by the book in healthcare that sometimes that doesn't that doesn't work and then so we get annoyed when we feel like it inconveniences us but at the same time like I think it's up to us to be like if that's not what it's about it's about this person who's in front of me so quiet quiet so yeah please keep always keep that mentality because uh you know, I've heard the, the horror stories of also nurses and, you know, like you said, how they treat people or just from what we're talking about. So you keeping that mentality gives us a little hope. Yeah. And I, I you know, I'll close with this because I, I think that this is such a great conversation. I think that, you know, Black people are scared of the health profession anyway. Mm-hmm. And they're scared of, uh, some people are scared even going to the doctor because of the things we're talking about. But I feel like, you know, having you on today and understanding that some we need more black medical professionals like yourself to be advocates and at least to have their your patient's best interest at at heart regardless of the race regardless of you know the the insurance and things like that so i just want to applaud you for being an advocate being on the front lines putting your life on the line especially in this pandemic um you know i don't think you guys get enough flowers um but I, I just want to leave it with that and just say there are advocates out there like yourself. Um, I, I hope that there is more in the future. And, you know, we love and adore you. Yeah, we do. Because this was such a pleasure. And like I, I thank you so much for just for being out there and doing putting in that work. So I know that, I mean, obviously, <laughs> this is a health-specific uh, uh, episode. But, you know, where can people um, find you and or if you want to even include some medical resources that people can do to check on uh, uh, their COVID or just health related things like sites that they can check for themselves, whatever you want to provide today for people to connect with you or just connect with the right health resources. Yeah, so I'm kind of boring on social media, but if anybody ever wants to, you know, inbox me, ask me you know, a healthcare related question. And even if I don't have the answer, I will try to find one for you. Um, I'm on Instagram, it's underscore T-T-A-Y-L-O-R. 
And then even though, like I had mentioned earlier, not that the CDC isn't um, credible, um, the information does change hourly. So I would just recommend just following up with the CDC. That's kind of the one database that the whole world is watching in terms of of COVID. Um, it's what my, my jobs reference to the best of their ability as well. So um, if you're looking for COVID information, I would check the CDC. Um, be mindful of your state's um, Department of Public Health website as well, just because sometimes there are some state-specific mandates on there as well. So yeah, if anybody needs anything, let me know. I mean, I will try to be as helpful as possible. Oh, thank you so much. This was so good. I feel like I just went to school and learned more stuff about the profession. Um, thank you guys for listening. This is another speak out sessions for the book. Have a good day, guys. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Not Your Enemy Speak Out Sessions. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at VisionaryCCB. And who is Tim K? Interested in purchasing apparel? Visit VisionaryCCBStore.com. Until next time, step out, step in, and step up.